You're listening to Accounted For, the Canadian podcast that explores the intangibles of every career. I'm your host, Daniel Lee. Hey everyone, welcome back to Accounted For. Happy Wednesday. This is a podcast set to inspire unconventional careers, and it's a part of OMD Ventures, my platform on a mission to create utopian organizations. As always, subscribe to the podcast, give it a five-star rating if you love it. If you don't, just leave it alone. Don't listen to it. And to stay in the loop, subscribe to the newsletter where I share all my weekly learnings, essay, podcast, as well as the exclusive recap of the week on what my journey has been like through this, I don't know, odyssey of life, I guess. You can find all the related stuff at omdventures.com. And today's interview is... Another different kind of interview format that I'm experimenting with. It is a Q&A style, not about me, but about a past guest. I bring on a past guest from episode 60, the anonymous podcast from transitioning from a business field to UX design. And I had one of you, my listeners, actually write in a list of very detailed and awesome questions that you'd like this particular guest to answer. So that's what we do today. We answer various questions on whether having a bootcamp credential adds any value to if your portfolio is already good, difference between college programs to bootcamps to just doing it yourself the DIY way, and what skills to prioritize to set yourself apart from the hiring pool, why there might be more senior design positions out there than junior ones, whether the guests would want to do a bootcamp again if you know the person were to go back in time knowing what they know and learnings to make the process ever so smoother given all the hindsight bias that one gets from living life. And so that's what we talk about today. And for you other listeners out there now, you might be more incentivized to yeah reach in, ask questions, and who knows, maybe we'll get to form more of these kinds of episodes to try out. And so yeah, I hope you enjoy my conversation today with the anonymous guest who's a UX designer. Hey everyone, welcome back to Accounted For. So today we have a return guest. I'm not going to say the guest's name because it's a return guest from the Anonymous series. As some of you may know, I've had a guest on for the Anonymous Anonymous series um, for the transition from accounting to UX design. And I actually had one of you, my listeners, I'll call you AC for your initials just to kind of give you some privacy but you know you did an awesome job writing in and giving a lot of encouragement and the podcast seems to have helped you a lot in giving you perspective and you also had a lot of follow-up questions for the guest and I thought that might be a pretty cool way to um, engage more with you my listeners and get you you know AC particularly the value you might get further by having this particular guest back on to answer your questions so as always with my typical anonymous podcast interviews, I will refer to the guests by this gender-neutral Korean name of Min. So, hey, Min, thanks for coming back on the podcast. I appreciate you making the time. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, and, you know, I I was kind of hesitant at first to continuously have guests from the past on to answer additional questions, but I thought this might be a pretty cool chance um, for people, especially in this kind of transition point I guess where you're going from business to 
the realm of UX design. Um, I've had multiple people, I think even around me, to be very, I think, showing enough interest to stay curious about the transition. So I think it might help with other people, not just uh, AC as well. Yeah, there's been a recent, I guess, influx of people trying to actually transition into UX. I've had other friends who have also reached out to me um, who know other people or want me or want to connect me to other people. Okay, so I guess you're you're in a high demand situation yourself, eh? Yeah. People want to know about your experience a lot. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, it's a new and upping up. A new upcoming field that I think a lot of people are trying to get into. And there's a lot more jobs around too as well. So Yeah. And for you new listeners, um, the episode is episode 60. If you want to listen to the first discussion part where we actually talk about the journey from transitioning from a big four um, accounting slash tax manager role into a field in UX design. And so... I'm just going to go through the questions that AC sent over. They're quite detailed, and so that really helps a lot. Um, the first question is, how much additional leverage would a certificate from a boot camp give a candidate compared to someone who someone with a good portfolio without that credential? And parentheses, in the perspective of a typical startup employer. Um, she's asking because she's wondering whether... She should accept a diploma program at a college, which is 18 months long and $20,000, or go to a boot camp or attempt to learn it all by herself through online courses. She believes she's a disciplined and self-motivated person, and this would be a viable but might take longer option, and she wouldn't really have any tangible credentials if she learned by herself. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very good question because it's also something... I struggled with figuring out when I was going through this transition. I was wondering if I should learn it myself, um, go through a boot camp. That was a short, like three month stint. And within boot camps, you can do the part time or the full time as well. And then also going to a college. Um, and that was significantly more time, like she mentioned, around 18 months and also cost a lot more. Um, and honestly, I don't think there is one straight answer to it. Um, a lot of I've spoken to a lot of people who are in the market um, in this field, and there seems to be um, differing perspectives on this. Um, if you have a solid portfolio. And it has to be a very solid portfolio. <laughs> That's a big asterisk yeah. there. It has to be really solid. Yeah. But um, so when you say solid, though, is there, how do you know, though? How do you know if it's solid or not? That's also very subjective <laughs> because different people want to see different things on your portfolio as well. Um, but it has to demonstrate in a very short amount of time um, because people's attention span, it's like, they'll probably stay on your page for five minutes, like five seconds, not even five minutes, sorry, like five seconds. And if they don't see what they want to see, then they might just leave. So you have to do it very well. And the content itself has to be very like 
you have to kind of know your stuff and be able to show it in a very condensed way and honestly that's very tough so um if you're learning by yourself i mean i don't know if you currently have a full-time job um but you'd be spending a significant amount of time it could take maybe up to a year or depending on how disciplined you are you mentioned you were pretty disciplined maybe um i've had a friend who's done it in two months but I can't remember if he was doing that full-time or if he was just doing this on the side while he had a full-time job. Um, and he was able to get a job and, and learn all the required skills and just do it himself. Um, but for him, he already had uh, like a coding background. So he was basically, basically like a unicorn because he knew how to code and he also understood UX design. So for him, it was probably a lot easier for him to transition from what he was doing into UX and just learn all that stuff by himself. Um, for me, because the reason why I decided to take a boot camp was because I, I had come from a background that was so different from um, the current one, this current UX transition that I was trying to make, and I wanted to streamline what I want, like the, the, the learning process, I guess. I wanted um, someone to tell me what I need to know, but I realized after going into that boot camp, a lot of what I had learned was stuff I had already read on the internet. Um, what it provided me was just a community of people who were also going through this transition, trying to get into UX and also being able to work collaboratively with them on projects. Like that part, I think was the most value that I got out of the bootcamp. Um, so uh, in terms of technical knowledge wise, I don't know how much value the bootcamp provided, but in terms of uh, experience with doing design challenges and projects like that, I think it was very valuable. Um, now for the college program, for me, because I had already had a university degree and a master's and I was already working full-time for quite a bit of time, I myself didn't feel like I wanted to commit so much time, like 18 months is a pretty significant chunk of time um, to be learning um, UX design. And I think I wasn't sure how much they could actually teach me from a technical standpoint because I felt like getting practical experience would be um, a lot better than just going to school and learning it. And, and that being said, I'm not sure what the curriculums are like at these colleges because I didn't look too much into it. Um, I actually know someone who's currently going through it. I haven't really asked him what his experience has been like so far. Um, so I can't really speak to that, but I think at the time, also, I was trying to figure out if UX was also something I really liked because I, I wasn't completely sure. So again, that's another point, um, that backs up why I decided not to go with a college program just because I was like, well, this is like a year and a half and $20,000. That's a significant amount of time to be and money to be spending on something I wasn't sure. Um, in terms of how employers see it, I've gone to some um, conferences 
where they had uh, speakers. Some of them really value people have, having gone through a boot camp and getting more education. Um, and then I've also heard other people that I've gotten coffees with saying, yeah, they don't, they, sometimes they discount people with like certificates or have gone through boot camps. So honestly, it really depends on who you talk to because they all have different opinions. The company that I'm working for right now, um, which I'm very thankful for is they're very open to people learning and people coming from all different kinds of backgrounds. I think most of the people that are at my company right now, they've all been like, for example, devs, some of them are engineer, like nuclear engineer majors, or they were doing some sort of like cancer research and things like that. And now they're developers and doing all this code. So they really appreciate people coming with um, a different background so that it allows them to provide a different perspective and in terms of the work, they really value people's work ethic over uh, what th- I, they've done on paper. Like they've gotten a master's in whatever at a prestigious university. They don't care as much about that versus what you what you can bring to the table and what your personality is like, and if you have the drive to do things. So honestly, that's a really long-winded way of saying. <laughs> It depends, and that's going to be frustrating because when, even in UX, you'll notice whenever you ask a question, a lot of the times people, like people's answers will be, it depends on the situation. Um, so it's really up to you and your budget and what you deem worthy of your time, to be honest. Yeah, and I think it, the even the... As I'm thinking about it too, uh, from your answer, it seems like when the people say it depends, it's like there is, it doesn't seem like there's a, from my experience too, where there's a set kind of company type where it even like fits. It's, it could exactly be like the same kind of company where it could be, a, they're both company A and company B are both VC backed. They're both high growth. They're both 50 person companies and they will have completely different views. Yeah, you just have to find the right company that values what you could bring to the table. Um, so it's honestly very difficult to, to say. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, like it seems like for, for you in making the decision, it it kind of factored in um, the personal side, personal decision on, yeah, like, will it give me confidence? Will it give me a community? Will it give... Um, I think the community part is actually very big from... Uh, other guests that have come on who've also been in on boot camps. I've had another guest on who went through a software boot camp, and that guest also, um, I think it was a semi anonymous podcast. The guest also said how it was very valuable because you got the community sense. It wasn't so much the coding element, mm-hmm. and the person actually believed that his boot camp didn't really add as much technical knowledge mm-hmm. compared to maybe even other places. Mm-hmm. But the community was the biggest uh, adding factor um also um something to add on to that so if you decide to take on a route where you're just learning by yourself um i think one of the drawbacks of that is that you can't really show that you can work on a team because some other questions that i've gotten during interviews are like have you worked with devs have you worked with 
uh, like, can you give me a scenario where you worked in a team, like in a team scenario and what kind of issues did you have with that? So I think if you can talk about your experiences at the boot camp, or if you decide to do the college program and your struggles with, I don't know, whatever conflict, there's always some sort of conflict that you experience, then it makes you much stronger candidate versus like, oh yeah, I did this project by myself and, um, yeah, everything was smooth sailing. Mm, that's what, yeah, that's definitely yeah. a good point too. It kind of tailors you more, I guess, closer to the actual working environment. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what I found to be very important where you can try to, at least, you also brought up a good point where, like, when you compare the college program versus the boot camp, it's like asking yourself, well, if a boot camp is three months and a college program is 18 months, will that additional 15 months really be adding that much technical value and it's also the hourly difference right where you know like my accounting degree each course is about three hours a week and so if you're in a college program are you you know you might be only doing like maybe 10 hours a week of some of this design technical knowledge stuff whereas at a boot camp it could actually be 10 hours a day so Mm -hmm. then it's also it could actually be very similar in hourly time as well it's just way more truncated um but I think the point I'm trying to get at is that it allows you to test things faster yeah. at, at the same time. Maybe these kind of programs might actually add value in terms of trying to replicate what you might actually go through at work mm-hmm. because like, this is completely anecdotal. Just my experience is just, I didn't believe my degree in accounting taught me anything related to my job oh yeah no i think that's like the running joke is that most of the stuff you learn in class doesn't translate yeah so to work because when i when i first had my first audit job i had that right after a term where i nearly bombed my audit course but then i became an all-star auditor for like a big four company so it made me wonder i'm obviously really bad at audit as a class but I'm apparently very good at doing audit as a professional. Mm-hmm. And then when I went back to school, I didn't really have to study audit because I just did what I did at work mm-hmm. on the exams. Mm-hmm. And then it would just actually just lead to arguing with professors and trying to tell, trying to tell them, you don't know what audit's actually like. Your rules don't apply. Nobody does what you think they should mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Which just, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of bashing on modern day education as... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not really do adding that much value but yeah. who knows maybe design's different um, but i'm skeptical yeah i think like in terms of the boot camp they try to structure it so that um it's you don't have any exams or things like that you don't have to like straight memorize things or like you don't really get marked on your projects um which is which is great, I think. I think it's great. I think there's actually a lot of uh, data that actually supports the idea of not grading people. It actually makes, I think, your learning environment highly toxic when you grade. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that because I felt like there was more uh, freedom to try different things because I wasn't afraid of getting a quote-unquote bad grade because I was trying to do something different. Um, so I... I don't know. I think that's one of the benefits mm-hmm. that you can get from, from that. Instead of just learning theory, theory, theory. Yeah. 
yeah so it's a long window way of saying i guess it depends <laughs> that was like a 15 minute answer for that one question but i think i think you you gave a good perspective on your experience to yeah. help ac i hope it was helpful i mean i almost feel like did i answer her question <laughs> i don't know Maybe if you have something that comes pops up, we can um, yeah, come back to yeah, that. Yeah. The next question. What one, two, three top skills should one prioritize to stand out as a junior UX designer, i.e. portfolio, interview skills, work experience, technical knowledge, credentials, soft skills, et cetera, et cetera. Um, she says that you mentioned that junior design positions are now very competitive and seniors are high in demand. So... That's why she's curious on how she can separate herself from the pack. Um, again, having... So if you want to get your foot in the door, the first thing employers see is your portfolio. Um, and so having a really strong portfolio, and there's like an asterisk to that because having strong portfolios... Um, is also kind of subjective depending on what the employer wants to see. Um, if you're applying to more of a UI position, then maybe you want to show more um, visual design stuff uh, and your abilities to show that. If you want to do more UX related stuff, you might want to show more of your research process. Um, but that being said, having a strong portfolio is definitely really high up there, probably one of the, the top things. How, how can you test for that? How do how would you go? How did you go about? Honestly, it, it was actually kind of almost a frustrating process when I was building my portfolio because everyone that I asked to critique my portfolio would kind of give me pointers on how I should do things. Oh, you should write less um, and just give me visuals. I don't want to see any of that crap about all your research and your thought process behind that. I just want to see visuals. And then another person would be like, oh, I want to see your thought process. Like, you should write more and explain more about this and blah, blah, blah. So it, it was a lot of getting feedback from people, but then also filtering out that feedback to make sure that I was still showcasing myself as a designer and not just tailoring it to what other people think I should be. And I think that's really important too. Um, and as you do more design, that sense of what exactly you want to do, if it's more UX or UI, um, then you'll naturally showcase that more in your portfolio. Um, but yeah, it, it was honestly tough just trying to balance that part out. I think the feedback and what exactly I wanted to showcase. Um, so other than portfolio, um, oh, before we move on, yeah. I'm curious how how did you figure out what you wanted to do versus in UI versus UX? Um, so to be honest, I think I find myself actually more interested in UI, <laughs> but I know I'm not as strong in my design um, skills. So I tried to focus my stuff more on the UX side because I'm a lot stronger in terms of analytical and doing research and all that stuff. So I tried to, um, I guess, 
in terms of my case studies, write out a lot of my, a lot more of my thought processes. And actually, a hack that I tried to get around, so that one per that like the couple people that told me they just wanted to see visuals. So when they clicked into a particular case study, I included a button where they could just like jump right to my high fidelity prototype so that they could people that just want to see my visuals can skip all that like text junk about what I'm my thought process and things like that and then just go straight to my visuals and then if they want to actually if they like what they see and they want to actually know what my thought process is then they can just go back and like go on that same page and just review all my stuff so that was kind of a a way for me to get around that. I don't know if that was the best option, but at the time that's what I've that's what I did. I haven't really touched my portfolio to be honest after I got my job. <laughs> and I, I know I should be maintaining it, but I just haven't really had the time to do that. Um but yeah, so other than did that did I answer your question? Yes. Yeah. Um other than portfolio, um another thing you should practice is design challenges um, and that comes with that's like part of your interview skills because almost unlike accounting interviews where it's a lot of like behavioral stuff um, for design interviews they give you challenges just so they can actually see the type of work you're capable of doing um, so learning to do these design challenges and making sure you're hitting the right uh, objectives that they're looking for um, and then being able to clearly communicate that in a short period of time um, and very clearly is a really important skill to have in terms of your interview because like like probably 99% of the interviews that you're going to do for UX will have some sort of design challenge. Um, so I think that is really key. And um, there's one guy, I think is, I don't know, I'm going to butcher his name, but he wrote a book uh, that basically just has design challenges and you can use that as practice. I think his name is like Artem Dashinsky or Dashsky, I don't know, Dashsky. <laughs> um, I don't remember what his his what his last name was, but um, he has a book where he talks about he just writes design challenges, and you can just practice. What's the that. book called? Pretty sure I have it saved. Oh, solving product design exercises. Um, Art oh Dashinsky, A R T I O M D A S H I N. SKY. So if you want to check that out, practice some design challenges. This was a helpful book that will definitely help out with that process. Yeah. All right. So then I guess then the top skills, if we dissect or summarize it, it's one strong portfolio, mm -hmm. either UX or UI focused mm -hmm. or tailored, and then design challenges design challenges and and with that is like also soft skills right. and like being able to communicate and so um, one of the methods of honing the skills that we yeah it, it really like those are probably the top things um and then yes technical knowledge is important to have but 
I have found that there's always things you're going to be learning in UX. There's always things that are always changing. Um, so yeah, I feel like UX design applies a lot of common sense as well. So I think as long as you have common sense and understand common human behavior, you'll be like, okay, in that sense. And, and they know that you're also a junior UX designer. So even if you're not like super great at your technical knowledge, I don't think they will fault that too much. Um, at least not with the, the companies that I've interviewed for. Um, they don't really seem like they're, they're like, oh, you don't know what this term means? Like, I don't think. They're not very snobby. Yeah. That. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Next question. Why are senior design positions more available than junior ones? <sighs> Follow up. Do a lot of UX designers leave the field before making senior? Mm, okay. Why are, okay. I'll answer the first question first. So why are there more senior positions? Um, I think a couple of years ago, there were actually a lot more junior positions. Um, but now companies are getting a lot more picky because they don't want to have to go through the process of training people and they're working on products and, and so they don't want to have to spend that time having to make sure, oh yeah, we're training this person, make sure they're learning and doing all these things. Um, they probably want to focus more of their time on actually making a great product. And if you have someone junior on the team, I think it's a lot harder than to um, iterate really quickly with someone who's already senior and already knows what they're doing. That being said, some companies value having junior designers because they can mold them and things like that. But I think because companies are so focused on growing, like high growth, quick growth, whatever, um, they're more focused on getting that senior designer that can basically do everything and know what they're doing. Um, I think that would probably be the answer to, to that. Yeah, I think my experience just talking to a lot of different startups around the Canadian startup ecosystem is also, it, it kind of conforms to that. I think it's also... I would say from my from what I've seen, it's also kind of the stages. So younger startups or younger companies like pre-Series A funding kind of companies, they're definitely going to be looking for senior designers. Like when I talk to uh, folks who are either on the leadership or leadership team or co-founders, they just straight up tell me like, yeah, we don't want to hire kids who don't know yeah. what they're doing. We want, like, we're going to hire someone and who knows, who, who can do like everything, yeah. underpay them because we can't afford them really and then just give them a ton of equity and just hope things are going to work out because they're playing in you know six month one year max time frames to build things and so for them it's just like the biggest thing where every time i talk to any kind of leadership team member they always talk about speed like it's just speed before anything really like even if they say oh we care about quality it kind of makes it seem like it boils down just to speed yeah, I think, especially for startups, I mean... Like actual startups. They're, like, they need to perform. They need to show their investors yeah. that they're making progress. And as much as they would want to invest on in junior designers, they, like, the fact of the matter is that they just don't have the budget to invest funds into that. 
I think like not a large company. It would need to be like a bigger yeah. company for yeah. them to hire juniors. Yeah, I think you would have better luck at going to a bigger tech company um, because they have more budget. But yeah, I don't know. I've heard some good things about the larger companies where they try to. Um, but even then, I think it's because those positions are not that widely available. There's so few. It's like pretty competitive to actually get into those companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. So the second question. The second question was: Do a lot of UX designers leave the field before making senior? Um, leave the field. So like transition into a different. Or maybe, position? maybe um, the questioner is implying leaving the job. Like leaving that particular company that they're with. Yeah. Um. So it seems like a lot of UX designers like to jump around a lot. So they'll spend like two years here and then switch to another company, two years there. Um, So I have seen that in um, certain LinkedIn profiles that I've stalked. (laughs) Um, But there are also other other UX designers who stay for quite a long time. Um, And I think it also depends on the company that you're with. Uh, obviously, if the startup that you are working for blows up, you'll have to jump before you make senior designer. Um, or if you see a better opportunity where you can learn more and grow more, um, then it's probably a good idea to jump as well. Um, so I have seen quite a mix of people. I I don't think there's like, oh yeah, I have to leave here before I, I make senior designer. Um, I haven't really seen that sentiment or like people. Yeah, I'd imagine people would probably want to stay until they make a title yeah. of knowing, you know, the desire for people to have these, Senior designers. these yeah. titles on their resumes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just sometimes it's also frustrating because I feel like these titles that they give to people are just so arbitrary. Oh, 100%. Especially like, at a startup. Mean anything. Yeah. Uh. It's like frustrating. I'd, I'd meet a director of something and I'd ask him, so what do you really do? And it's just some, you know, like... They don't really know. No, like they're, they're like the yeah. director of finance, but the kid's never taken an accounting course before, so he has no idea what he's really doing. Yeah, or they're like head <laughs> of growth and it's like 1%. Right, but the growth team is all yeah. of <laughs> yeah. that 1%. Yeah, so, yeah. Then the next question is if you could go back and choose whether to do the boot camp, would you still do it? What would you do differently to make the transition smoother, knowing what you know now? So I guess we'll answer the first part of this question, which is... Yeah, would I still do it? Yeah, would you still do it? It's funny because before um, our program finished, a bunch of us in my cohort, like my classmates, were basically asking each other this question. And surprisingly, a lot of them said, so after we signed up, the price of our program went from 10K to 12K or like 12,000, like 500 or something like that. Anyway, um, and a lot of them were saying, hmm, I don't know if I'd pay for that additional $2,000. And I think... It's tough. 
Um, because I really did, again, that whole point value like community and the people that I met there and the collaborative uh, environment that was there and just the support that you kind of get when you're in that environment. Um, but it, I feel like the price is just a little bit too high for what I'm getting out of that program. Um, that being said, things work out and I worked really hard, um, for it, but things worked out for me pretty nicely. Um, I got a job, I think like two months out of, uh, the boot camp, and I know some of my friends that are in the boot camp are still looking for jobs right now, and it's been like maybe half a year. Um, what percentage would you say? I actually don't know. I haven't even really kept in touch with a lot of them, um, but no one's really mentioned anything in our in our Slack group. Um, so I'm assuming that a lot of them are still looking for jobs. Um, well, I, like some. UX related jobs, I mean, some people are working at coffee shops and like doing freelance things here and there, uh, but no one's really had a full time UX job, I think. Um, I forgot the question. Would you go back? Would I go back? Um, I think yes. Given what I know now and the the mindset that I was in and the environment that I really needed for this transition, I think I would go back as long as it the price stayed at ten thousand. I don't know if I could I don't know if I could justify that twelve K uh tuition because it was a significant amount of money. Luckily I picked up like uh some work right before and I was able to make a good amount of money right before I actually did the the boot camp so it helped me with my finances and stuff but I don't know it's tough to justify that 12k um for for the community and the collaborative support yeah you're so you're just buying friends (laughs) for twelve thousand dollars yeah buying friends to go through the process with me um yeah, I think I would still go back, but it's hard to choke down that that tuition. Well, so then the continuing question is, what would you do differently to make the transition smoother, knowing what you know now? Um, Like my entire transition from quitting my job in accounting to getting a job in UX, or transition from finishing my, my boot camp to getting a job. How about we we go with the wider one so yeah. it just kind of fits in Accounting. everywhere. Yeah. Um. I don't remember if I mentioned this in the previous podcast, but in the time when I quit my job at, to deciding to uh, apply to a boot or go to a boot camp, I was just applying to jobs here and there and just trying to like do something for the sake of doing something, even though. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my career. Um, I think if I had taken that time to just relax and really try to figure out what I wanted to do instead of wasting all that time, like applying to jobs, doing interviews for like CS, like customer success related roles, 
I would have maybe had more time to build some skills or network with more people that were in UX. Um, that probably would have helped with my transition because I just feel like there was a period of time um, where it was just things were very unclear. And I think if I had directed my efforts more, uh, that would have streamlined the process a little bit. Um, and then from the... Sorry, before you move on, yeah. I'm curious. Do you feel that the time you spend interviewing for these random jobs, like the customer success jobs you mentioned, do you, do you find that those experiences helped with your conviction of going into the U.S., or do you think it wouldn't have mattered? Do you feel that the entire experience is more of a just a time waster? Hmm, that's a good question. I say that just because my my experience with um, exploring and constantly yeah. grabbing. So when I make made my transitions, I tried to explore wider, you know, not as like I guess wide as talk you know, talking to software engineers. Just think about hmm, should I be a software engineer? But even when I'm going looking at hedge funds, I talk to guys in private equity, guys in venture capital, or right now you know, I've I've practically interviewed and spoken to hundreds of people and product, data, operations, etc. And each time I find I get little bits of information that helps narrow down certain choices. Yeah. No, the, um, the reason I pause is, is you had a good point in, in that I think that process is definitely necessary. That discovery process is just definitely necessary. But what I meant was the amount of time I spent writing cover letters and creating like editing my resume I could have spent that time actually networking with people um, whether it's in UX or people who are actually doing CS or I was also looking into growth marketing if I had spent that time applying to jobs um, and actually networked with people instead to get their experience and learn more about whatever it was that I wanted to get into I think time would have been more well spent. Does that make sense? Right. You wanted to collect the answers from people's right. experiences instead of... Just mindlessly applying to jobs. Yeah, and, just... and hoping to get the information at the interview. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that was probably the wrong way to go about it, was realizing in the interview, like fourth round of a CS interview, that I was like, I don't really want to do this. I'm just kind of applying to jobs because I feel like I need to do something. Yeah. How long was the gap between you leaving uh, your job to going to the boot camp? How long of a time did um, you give yourself? So I quit in, at the beginning of November. I went on vacation for like three weeks, came back mid-December, and then it was like Christmas, yay, and like New Year's parties. So um, November, December, January, February... Um, so four months was kind of the amount of time I, uh, between when I quit my job to when I stopped applying to jobs, um, March ish, or I would say maybe like the last couple weeks of February was kind of when I was seriously deciding whether or not to join a boot camp. Um, and then by March I was like, yeah, this is, this is it. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to commit to it and just 
instead of thinking so much about it, I'm just going to go through with it. So about, I don't know, my bootcamp started in April. So I had that two additional months after I finally decided that I would do bootcamp. Yeah. yeah. So about like five months-ish. Yeah. And so then afterwards, how, after the bootcamp, what would you have done differently to make it smoother? I don't know. I don't think I actually would have done much. I f- <laughs> Does that sound like <laughs> really weird that I'm like, yeah, I think I did everything right. Um, I-, I feel like knowing what I know now and seeing this situation with other people that went to class with me, I feel really lucky to have been able to get a job as quickly as I did. Um, yeah, I just, I feel like coming out of it, the expectation was three to six months in terms of looking to like landing a job. And I found it in like two months. So I don't know. I felt pretty good (laughs) about the process. Um, so I don't think there was much that I would change. Um, if there's anything that I would, I guess, make the process even better, continue to get more coffees, continue to connect with people, um, go to more events, talk to more people, um, make more connections. Um, but, uh, like, I don't know. I felt like the process was pretty smooth afterwards. Uh, And that's just me looking back at it right now because of that whole psychological effect. When you look back in time, you're like, yeah, it actually wasn't that bad. I forgot what the term for that process was. I remember I learned it in my psychology class. Um, Yeah, something like that. Um, But I know during that time when I was actually building my portfolio, I was like, I don't even know when this is done. Uh, Like, it's honestly it's never really done so it was tough but yeah I don't think there was anything really significant that I would change about the process that I went through yeah I think if I were to think about if I if I think back on anything I would change in me building this whole podcast and the media platform I've done I've made a ton of mistakes mm-hmm. and I've had a ton of time where I got, I've been very upset at myself for feeling like I wasted time. Mm-hmm. But it, I could also, also argue that if I didn't go through that, then I might not have that yeah. much conviction about yeah. certain things I'm doing now. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Sometimes you just need time to just go through what you need to go through in order to have that full conviction that you're doing this right or that like it's okay you just need to go through the journey yeah yeah that's what i was kind of asking about where it's just it uh, a comedian i like bill burr he says that life life is just eating a giant shit sandwich and everyone's just eating a shit sandwich yeah and you're pretty nice yeah you're just (laughs) that's just what life is um but kind of coining on that term it's kind of like you're just eating shit, really, yeah. as you go through this process. And yeah. I think 
it's not it's just not gonna be smooth i don't think there's ever gonna be a time where you think oh god it's smooth i think i feel like during the moment it's never gonna feel smooth even if it looks like it's gonna Mm -hmm. be smooth or even if it looks smooth 10 years later and you go oh that was very smooth i feel when you're actually going through it yeah you're like this 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 is the worst thing ever Yeah. yeah At least for me, that's always been like that. Every time I've made a transition and I look back, I think that's that's what there's a mis- that's where the misconception is, where people think, "Oh, that looks like a very smooth transition," and you, and then you have to tell them, "No, it was awful." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's honestly it's tough because you just have to go through the bumps and things like that in order to get through to that process and people will always try and give you advice for what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. Um, but I just, it gets really confusing because you need to filter through all that and figure out what you want to do again. And that goes back to how also your portfolio as well. Like, what do you want to do with it? And what do you want to showcase to other people? Um, it's tough. Yeah. I think the best thing about advice is, you just learn to ignore them. Because yeah. I think that, that's what advice is. It, the more advice you, you hear and you listen to, over time, you you get to a point where you realize all the advice cancel out to zero, yeah. where none of it actually mattered. Right. And then you end up so conflicting. learning to like listen to yourself more. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, so nobody knows yeah. what really is. And everyone thinks they know because they, quote unquote, made it on their own different way. But a lot of it might not, act, not have actually been because they they made XYZ decisions. Yeah, and it's tough because the advice that they give is a lot of times from their own experience. And everyone has a different journey or a path that they're taking. So the advice that they're giving to you might not necessarily even really apply to you oh, and, and what you're doing. And they're not going to be there for you when you fall down. And yeah. They're not going to give you an advice there. They're like, oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, I just told you that because uh, this is what I experienced. But, I mean, that was probably the wrong decision for you. <laughs> in hindsight, that's probably what they would say to you. Um, but yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. All right, that's the end of the question. Oh, that was it? Yeah. Oh, this was fun. Yeah. All right. I think I'm going to, you know, this is for you listeners out there. As I said, if you ask questions, they will be answered. And ask and you shall receive. That's what happened with AC today. She was very nice. She reached out. She reached out and she had all these very detailed and wonderful questions that were very specific um, that I think were easy to ask as well and easy to answer, I hope. And yeah, well, you know, Min, thanks for coming on the podcast once again and answering these questions. My listeners and I appreciate it. I also had a lot of fun. And yeah, hopefully this is a segment I get to do more with some of my other guests where when listeners have questions, they can write back in. Yeah, no, this is definitely a lot of fun. Thanks for having me back again. Um, AC, uh, hopefully I was able to answer some of the questions that you had and that I was helpful in the process. Um, I know it's really tough, uh, and there's a lot of different paths that you can take. Um, and I had gone through that as well. Uh, in the end, I think it really go- boils down to um, what stage you're in in your life and what you think would give you the most value. Um, in terms of deciding how to go about transitioning into this career. 
Um, but I wish you the best of luck. I'm sure you're going to kick ass. Awesome. All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and take care. All right. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope the story was inspiring to you. It Hopefully, it also helped you expand your perspectives. Hopefully, it also made you question the default path that you might have been going on or the default beliefs you might have had. And maybe now it'll make you even think about doing something about it, doing something different maybe, challenging yourself, being courageous. Who knows? But regardless, I'm really happy that you took some time out of your day to listen to this fantastic story with my guest. And if you would like to somehow, in some way, contribute and help support the podcast and maybe even just be part of the community that I'm trying to build with the greater OMD Ventures platform, really think about being a stakeholder in the platform. And the quick way to do that is to go to my website, oldmandan.com, and go to the stakeholders page. I believe it's oldmandan.com slash stakeholder. And the link is also down below. And that's how you can figure out how you can subscribe, follow to get more updates on the free content. But at the same time, also donate and donate by actually just buying me a coffee. That's just how I put it. And you can buy me a coffee a month, coffee a week, or coffee every day of the year. And think about it as the way that you know, if you wanted to chat with me, you might just bring me out for coffee and buy me a coffee. Or if you wanted to bring one of my guests out to chat, you might buy them a coffee. So I'm just think of it as I'm the service that's doing that for you. So you can just pay me in coffees. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, everything will still be free. It's just It would just really help if you would like to show your support this way so that I can use the coffee money to buy myself actual coffees and also to buy my guests actual coffees at and use the leftover money to actually grow the platform as well as even keep it operationally alive as well because it all this is, isn't really free and it does take a lot of time to build it as well as operate it and hopefully grow it further. So your support would be amazing if you would like to contribute. And so yeah, just check out the website, go to the stakeholders page and read the different kind of benefits you might even get as a stakeholder. All right, thank you.